1: The Sports Buffet, weekday afternoons from 4 to 7. Now, your host, lifetime Longhorn and former NFL player, Rod Babers.
2: Welcome back to the Sports Buffet, the hump day edition of your Sports Buffet. You can always be a part of it. Hit us up on the hotline, 1 366 Live, 1 877 5483. You also can hit us up via Twitter at Sports Buffet One, the number one. There's also a text line, text the word sports and your question or comment to 81530. You can hit me up at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. My man Chris Duel, uh, the people's choice is at Chris duel D U E L, in the Twitterverse. Uh, my man Sam is at BTG. 760 uh we also my man mike still on vacation a much deserved vacation but you can hit him up at zoned mike in the Twitterverse. my man lawrence is back there uh twisting and tweaking the dials for us hit the folks up with your twitter handle lawrence give the folks your twitter handle real quick yeah yeah that would be djlg210 boom djlg is that actually because you are a dj in fact yes that's that, true yes the, really is yes. it is that the name djlg210 uh, just L G. Just DJ L G? Yes, sir. DJ L G. Boom. All right. DJ L G what when uh was was the last gig, like DJing gig then? Um, it was last Friday. Last Friday? Yeah. Man, that's real DJing then. What'd you DJ like? Was it a party or a wedding? What was it? Uh it was at a bar. Nice. Yeah. Oh, where where was where, where was the bar at? You yeah. mind me giving out your business? Do you no, not no. want to discuss your business? Is that <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay, cool no, then. I'll pull the curtain back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know. <laughs> I'm putting you on front with a blast. This is unrehearsed stuff or nothing like that. What what where was the spot? Uh, it was a place called Baker Street in San Antonio. Uh, okay, I think I've heard of Baker Street. It's over by UTSA. Okay, nice. Oh, so college kids. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. So you 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 are like uh you are kind of a music uh you're a music guru like you you have to know the coolest hip, the the most current music.
3: Yeah, it might not be the best music, but, yeah, the most hip and current music. Yeah, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, exactly. all right, no
2: <laughs> doubt about it. All right, so, so how long, so, okay, you've been DJing, like, all these clubs, so could you DJ, like, my wedding when I get married? Like, you could do that? Yeah, easily. You, really? Yeah. Boom. You know what I mean? Well, but, but, hold on, how, 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 about you, 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 uh, how are these prices for DJ LG? Are you big time? Like, where are you on the price range? Are you, like, how compared to, like, if, if I was uh, getting um, a Lady of the Night, would you be a hooker or escort uh Call girl or a prostitute that's all based on uh price range there. Which one would you be? You know, I'd be
0: like middle class. I'd okay. Kind of in the okay. middle there. Yeah. Okay, I feel you. On not that. the most expensive, but not bargain basement prices. There you
2: go. Call girl type stuff then. Okay, boom. We can, we can afford that. Uh, we can afford that. All right, there you go. DJ LG. Boom. So if you need services, boom, hit up DJ LG. Boom. He's an actual DJ. That's, that's not something he just did for Twitter. All right. Uh, all right. Learn something new every day. All right, We got to tell of things to get into on the Sports Buffet. We have to talk about the Baylor uh, the latest Baylor scandal, uh, not associated with the previous regime, but the Big 12 has decided to uh, – how, how shall I put this? It's not a punishment because it's too lax to be a punishment. It's, not, uh, it's lacking any, any teeth. It's lacking testicular fortitude. It's, it's definitely not a punishment. I would describe it as a gesture. Uh, the Big 12 today, um, they 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 had a gesture or they made a gesture of, um, I, I guess, you know, kind of a moral compass, a gesture of the moral compass of the conference. When they did levy this against Baylor, the Big 12 is going to withhold 25 percent of Baylor's revenue distribution until verification by third party that Baylor's made improvements in procedures slash governance. Um, this comes from Bruce Feldman is where I got it from. Uh, Bruce Feldman says this is a hefty move by the Big 12 on, on Baylor based on last year. It equates to withholding almost $6 million, and there will be more uh, money this year. Okay, so from what I hear, the money has been placed in, like, escrow – Uh, It's an escrow until they uh, uh, have the third party, whatever, investigation, third party issues. They'll figure it out. And then once they uh, they abide by all of the, the new procedures, governance, regulations, then the money that is being withheld, I'm assuming it'll be given back to them. Um. Now, if they don't uh, live up to or they don't uh, abide by these new rules of governance and procedures uh, that the Big 12 has put forth, then they will – The twenty five percent of their revenue distribution from the conference will will be withheld permanently. But from the sound of it, and I could be off about this. I'm not a financial advisor. If there's one out there, I'm sure there's one listening and I'm off about this. Let me know. There's a lawyer out there that I'm off about this. Let me know. But it sounds like they're just withholding it. It's they said withheld. They're withholding it. They're not taking it away. They're not penalizing them. Twenty five percent of their revenue distribution. That this this is no, that's not happening. They said it is withholding it for now. And once they find out Baylor's on the up and up or at least up to their standards, to the conference's standards, then Baylor gets that money back. That's why, what I read from it. It'd be different if the Big Twelve decided to take the money, actually uh, penalize Baylor, the twenty five percent of their revenue distribution, and donate it to victims. Of sexual assault, like that would be a statement, like this is not a statement, this is not a punishment, this is a gesture because it could end up being nothing at all it's there like i said there it could have just been uh, a gentleman 's agreement behind the scenes to put up the best front for the conference and listen i, I I have a conspiracy theory that a lot of people are now starting to believe that, you know, the Big 12 is all about putting on a front, a farce, because the Big 12 did it. Uh, a matter of fact, connected to the Baylor scandal, when the Baylor scandal first broke and we went to Big 12 media days, and instead of them addressing the Baylor scandal, they wanted to drop the bombshell that they were going to expand the conference even though they had never, ever wanted to expand the conference. They were cool with shrinking the conference and going down to 10 teams, one true champion, all of that crap. And now, all of a sudden, they were like, oh, we're going to expand. Fast forward, come to find out, you ask all the schools who were, uh, air quotes here, candidates, and they'll tell you, uh, yeah, I got a phone call. I got like an email, maybe a text message, but it wasn't a true vetting process uh, for expansion. Yeah, because the Big 12 had no intention on expanding. They wanted to distract you from the Baylor scandal, to keep you from asking questions about Baylor. So when all the media in the country came there to ask questions about Baylor as it relates to the Big 12 on Big 12 Media Day, nope, the big story came out of that was Big 12 expansion. It was, pu- it was, it was public relations 101. And it was, uh, it was a good move by them, actually. So I think, once again, they could be posturing. And it it seems like they're posturing. If you're going to penalize Baylor, penalize them, withholding 25 percent of their revenue distribution uh, until uh, the verification by some mysterious third party that the Big 12, which is a conference that a lot of people would say is incompetent, a lot of people would say lacks vision, uh, lacks any, any, any substance and lacks leadership, yeah, they're going to pick out the third party, the one I think who has a, it was a conspiracy to try to expand or at least to have the veil of expansion in order to have people distracted from Baylor. They're going to name a third party. And mark my words, Baylor's going to get this money back from the Big 12. It's going to be buried somewhere in, like, uh, next football season uh, that Baylor met up met all the standards. Baylor's going to get that money back. This is all a farce, once again. It's, it's once again the Big 12 is, is trying to distract you from the real issue and, make, and trying to make themselves look good in the process, like they're actually doing something. They're not doing anything. It's not a, it's not a punishment. It's a gesture. If you really want to really hurt Baylor, you really want to hurt Baylor, everybody knows uh, in college football, if you really want to penalize somebody, you hit them where it hurts the mother's milk. It ain't the cash. I can call a, you can call a booster and get that $6 million. Baylor's got a lot of money right now. You can you can open the coffers and get that six million dollars. It's scholarships. Scholarships are a scholarship is the scholarships are the one thing in college football that it is more valuable than straight cash, homie. It is the mother's milk, and that is what it's about. Scholarships. You take take scholarships from them. That hurts the football program. The money. Uh, yeah, they can get somebody to write a check. There's a big booster around there willing to write a check for that. The mother's milk is the scholarships. That's what they should have taken away. They should have taken away scholarships, withheld 25 uh, percent of their scholarships. till then that would have been more of a statement. And that's what hurts you. Everybody knows in recruiting, everyone, that's what will kill you and decimate Baylor. And I always say, you know, they couldn't give them the death penalty. You're like, oh, give them the death penalty. You can't give them the death penalty. You didn't give Penn State the death penalty. And their their scandal was about the um, s- sexual assault of of kids. So if that, if that's now you've lowered the bar. So if you can't if you can't give somebody the death penalty for sexually assaulting kids and doing that on somewhat of a large scale associated with the football program, then unfortunately sexual assault of women probably is not gonna uh, is it, not gonna incur the death penalty either. That's where the NCAA stands. But you pay some players. <laughs> You pay some players. Don't, don't, you, you start a little payroll like SMU for your players. You pay players. You pay football players who are arguing right now they should be employees. Oh, we'll give you the death penalty. Oh, you, uh, you exchange your bold gifts for some tattoos. Oh, we'll, we'll come down on you like the hand of God. Sexual assault? Uh, sexual assault of children? Uh, we gave them a four-year ban. Uh, I think we were a little too harsh, guys. Let's roll that back to two-year bold ban. And four years as a little much for sexually assaulting children. That's where the NCAA stands. Don't let them fool you. They're a borderline criminal syndicate. They're all about the cash grab. They have no moral compass. They really do not at all. Don't look at the things they've stood up for. The NCAA is still silent on this issue. And they think they reacted too harshly to the Penn State sexually, uh, the, the, the sexually assaulting of kids. That scandal, they think they reacted too harshly to it. That's where the NCAA stands. So the Big 12 has decided to grow a pair, a very small small little small pair right? and uh, make a gesture that they're going to withhold 25 percent of Baylor's revenue distribution until verification by third party that Baylor's made improvements in procedures and governance um, it's gonna uh, equate to six million for now and then it's going to obviously be more money going forward as they as the pie grows so will the withholding withholding being the key term there they're withholding it Baylor's gonna get this money back. You mark my words. Mark my words. They gotta get that money back. All right? Alright, so we'll come back. We'll discuss that. Plenty of other things. This is a hump day edition of your sports buffet. Welcome back to the Sports Buffet. You can always hit us up via Twitter at Sports Buffet One, the number one. You uh, can hit me up at Rod Davis. Uh, my man, Chris Dole, the people's choice at the sports desk, is at Chris Dole, D U E L, in uh, the Twitterverse. Um, and, hey, Chris, uh, I, I was actually uh, thinking about you today because I saw a story about Demarcus Ware, who's a free agent now. Yes. Possibly. Uh, becoming a cowboy, or there being a reunion for him to become a cowboy. He is obviously on his way out. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to come there and be an impact player. I think it will be more sentimental than anything. Uh, I think he's a. I think he's going to end up being a hall, potentially a hall of famer one day. Um, and uh, he's known for being a cowboy. He just left to go get a Super Bowl ring. Nothing wrong with that. Do would you be opposed to it as a Cowboys fan? Demarcus Ware coming back. You do need. A defense, You do need a defensive end. He may not be the ideal fit considering uh, the Cowboys like to play a lot of 4-3 he likes to, you know, he was in the 3-4 uh, for a while there. Um, but I don't know. What do you think about that? I've, I-
0: Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call,
2: I've seen that in the Dallas Morning News and some other people talking about it.
0: Well,
3: if he can contribute – Absolutely, he's you know, good. plus he's got a ring, so you you bring that uh, mentality into the locker room he's a guy he knows the cowboys way he i think he I read that he still has a home, I think his kids are still in the Dallas area, so oh, he'd be motivated that. to come back, uh, so he knows the cowboys way and he knows what it takes to win a ring, so those would all be good things to have in your locker
2: room and you know he wants he yeah, you know he wants to get another one too, and the cowboys are primed for it it'd be i'm with you i I actually can't see a downside. I don't know if he would try to, you know, rake them over the coals in terms of negotiating and wanting big money. Something tells me Demarcus Ware would give them the hometown discount. I know that sound and the kind of the Super Bowl uh, discount, the Super Bowl contention discount, if you will. Uh, Demarcus Ware is number eight all time. Man, I didn't know he was that high. Actually, he's number eight all time in mm. sacks. Wow, he stumbled.
3: I, I didn't realize that either.
2: Yeah, yeah, Chris, he's right under Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor at 139 and a half. Hell, Demarcus Ware is 138 and a half. I did not. I I didn't realize he was uh, he was that high. I knew he was like top 15. I didn't realize that Demarcus Ware has more sacks than John Randall, uh, Richard Dent, Lawrence Taylor, uh, Derek Thomas. I mean, that's yeah. So Dwight, there's no question. Demarcus Ware is a Hall of Famer. Then I didn't know he was top 10 already. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. I he's got a Super Bowl ring too. Um, I think if he, honestly, how about this, Chris? I remember we talked about this yesterday with Terrell Owens, and you know, and all that stuff. And you know, we talked about how you have to kind of re, you have to campaign for the height. Uh, sorry, for the Hall of Fame, even yeah. after you're done. We saw Kurt Warner did it. Uh, you know, he went on. He, he's an analyst now, but he went on Dancing with the Stars and. Uh, there are some other guys who, who, who kind of went – Jason Taylor, I think, also went on Dancing with the Stars, and he you know, he, he did an analyst work. You have, to, you have to keep campaigning for it afterwards. And, you know, DeMarcus Ware, uh, retiring as a Dallas Cowboy, there is not a better campaign manager than Jerry Jones. Huge point, yes. You know what I mean? Jerry, if you tell Jerry, like, man, I want to retire as a Cowboy, but I want to make sure I'm in the Hall of Fame, Jerry Jones will be like, I'll get you. I'll get you there. <laughs> I'll get you there. And I believe Jerry Jones will get him there. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. So, yeah, I wonder if th- that might be that might be a win-win. I don't know where Demarcus Ware is right now physically, but that does sound like something that could end up being a win-win. All right, uh, something else that I want to ask you about, Chris, because you're you're a historian, man. You're a Renaissance man, so I got to bounce these, you know these 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 stories that transcend the sports page to the front page off of you. But it's become a really big deal that uh, Martellus Bennett. And I believe Devin McCordy may be the other one. Uh players who said that they don't wanna visit the White House. Uh they're not going to the White House uh because they don't agree with President Trump's uh you know, his values and his policies and all that kind of stuff. And it is a big deal uh for some people, but it's strange that, you know, we've we've seen these uh examples before Even specifically in the sports world, hell, Tom Brady's skipped the White House before. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, Jake Arrieta, a pitcher, um, and I think he skipped the White House uh, when the Cubs went. Um, And some some have openly said they've done it for political reasons. Uh, I don't know why. Why is this a big deal? Because. I I don't get it. I don't get why it's a big deal. Some people are upset now with Martellus Bennett. It's not like um, you know the, the the president is a dictator, and when you are summoned to the White House, you have to go. <laughs> I would I would go personally. I would go even if I disagreed with the president. Um, and uh, I, I probably would go. I probably would go. Um, I don't have to hang out with the president. I don't have to be in this vicinity. I probably would go just to see the White House because I don't know if there's ever going to be a chance that I could do that. Um... Yeah, I,
3: I would go too. No, you know, no matter who was in the office, I just think, for, in the case of Martellus Bennett, you know. We're just coming off this inauguration. We're just coming off this yeah. very hotly contested election. You know, when when Bra- when Tom Brady didn't go see uh, President Obama, it wasn't right after an election. Uh, so you, 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 yes, had election, you had the election, you had the inauguration, you had the women's march. You've got all this furor over mm-hmm. the uh, immigration ruling. Some people call it the ban. Other people don't. So I, I just think that... Uh, feelings and tempers are, are like flaring now. So I, I think it's the, probably the worst possible time to announce that you're not going because those who will criticize you are spoiling for a fight on Twitter, on social media, wherever they can. So uh, I, I, I just think if this were a year from now, maybe not as big of a deal, but I think that he says it less than a month after the inauguration, it's kind of a big deal.
2: No, you're right. I totally agree with you because I'm looking at all the people who have declined to go to the White House, and yeah, I mean, that list is long. Yo, Michael Jordan declined to go to the White House because he said he'd rather spend time with his family. Um, Larry Bird actually si- uh, said, quote, if the president wants to see me, he knows where to find me when he declined an invitation to the White House. Uh, after How the arrogant was is the that? Right.
3: I mean, that's the height of <laughs> arrogance. Well, yeah. Yeah, if he wants to see me, he can find me in French Lick, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's a little ridiculous. The
2: hick from French Lick. Yeah, so Yes. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head. It's It's so fresh right now that Pete that the vitriol is just uh, overwhelming people they're looking to lash out at somebody they're looking for a reason to go off on somebody uh especially this year Brock Osweiler didn't go I think he didn't go remember because he didn't want to deal with uh John Elway and his teammates I remember that Brock Osweiler didn't go so yeah there's different reasons people don't go uh I don't think it's a huge deal but people will make a bigger, bigger bigger and bigger deal out of the fact that Martellus didn't go and I I think you just hit it on the head, Chris. It's fresh for everyone. Um, okay, something else that I wanted to bring up here while we had a little time. It's um it's it's interesting, and I and I said this to a friend of mine about, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Just you know, we're still wrapping up the discussion, obviously, about Tom Brady. If he's the GOAT, I, I think he's the GOAT. Some people may still disagree with that, even after that Super Bowl performance. But I will say that before Tom Brady and the Patriots started their dynasty in two thousand one at two thousand one uh season. Man, this remember Chris, do you remember the Super Bowls and how unentertaining they used to be? Oh yeah. Kind of prior to that. Now I'm not saying the Patriots are responsible for all of the really good entertaining Super Bowls. But man, I, I remember like growing up, uh like when I I was born in nineteen eighty, so Chris, you got a lot more um perspective than I do. I remember from, like, 1980 to, like, 2000-something, most of the Super Bowls being blowouts. Like, bad, horrible Super Bowls. You know what I mean? Yes. And, um, I, you know, and and, I, and not that the Patriots are responsible for it, but around 2000, around when the Patriots started their dynastic run, uh, the Super Bowls got better. Uh, the Patriots are a part of that. They're a big part of it. Obviously, they've been to more of those Super Bowls than anybody else. But the Super Bowl's gotten much better. I would just think that the you know the competition level's just gotten better. But I actually associate that maybe subconsciously with the Patriots. Because that era, their 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 dynasty started also when the Super Bowl started getting more and more entertaining. But do you remember when they had all these blowouts in the Super Bowls?
3: Yeah, and, and most specifically, I remember there was a 49 ers Denver Broncos game. I, I mean, I don't remember the exact score, but it was something like Fifty-five to twenty-one. Oh, it, was, it was something horrific. They were ugly. And, yeah, and and, and you know, by the end of the first quarter, a lot of those games were already over. Yes, you know, so you you'd stick around for the commercials and the halftime. But by the end of the first quarter, you knew who was going to win those Super Bowls. Yeah,
2: that's exactly. I I mean, you're right. Um, 19, if you start like, I don't know, start 1980, it's 31-19. Then there's uh, 27-10, 26-21, Cincinnati Bengals, 49ers was good. But then it's 38-9, Raiders, uh, Washington Rachel Slurs, 38-16, 46-10, 39-20, 42-10. That was a 2016, 49ers, Bengals, good. 55-10, you know. Twenty to nineteen. That was a good one. Then a fifty-two seventeen, thirty to thirteen, forty-nine to twenty-six. You know, they were bad Super Bowls for a while. Um, and around the time that the the Patriots kicked it in high gear, started their dynasty, that's when the Super Bowl started to get a whole lot better. Not saying they're a part of it, that they're the reason. They're the sole reason, but they're 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 a big part of it. All right. We'll come back, we'll check in with Chris Do at the sports desk. Uh, we'll also talk some NBA. I think um, My man Kevin Durant has been listening to Kellyanne Conway and uh, Sean Spicer. He's spouting alternative facts. This is your Sports Buffet. Welcome back to the Sports Buffet, hump day edition of your Sports Buffet. You can always hit us up on the hotline, one 877 live 1-877-366-5483. Before we uh, get into some NBA uh, topics, news, notes, and nuggets, let's check in with my man Chris Dool at the Sports Desk.
3: All right, Rod, we'll reset the big story of the day. You've been all over it, but in case anybody's just tuning in right now, The Big 12 has announced it will withhold 25% of future revenue from Baylor University until it receives third-party verification that the school's athletic department is taking steps to clean up its program. Spurs in action tonight. It's one of 12 games. In the NBA, they're in Philadelphia taking on the 76ers. Spurs released their injury report today. Only had Pau Gasol on the injury report. So that would seem to indicate that Kawhi Leonard, who missed the game the other night at Memphis with a quad contusion, uh, we can extrapolate that Kawhi Leonard is expected to play tonight for the Spurs. And finally, quarterback Dan Fouts, a Hall of Fame quarterback who was in the room And part of the Hall of Fame selection committee says that Terrell Owens did get a fair evaluation. He told a Nashville radio show today, quote, I think his numbers are very worthy, but on the other side of it, I think his actions on and off the field, on the sidelines, in the locker room, and the fact that he played for so many teams and was such a great player, the question comes back to me, if he was such a great player, why did so many of those
2: teams get rid of him? end quote rod mm. yeah i mean that's uh that's a good point it's hard to argue against that point that Ultimately, even Bill Parcells, right, didn't even want to say his name. Bill Parcells got the to player. the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah he got to the point. He didn't want to say his name, right? So I cannot deny that he was he he is truly getting what I call the you know the 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 the, the, the a hole tax, the the D back surcharge. He is he is so despicable and so so disliked that it is keeping him out of the Hall of Fame, even though everybody knows he's third all-time in receiving touchdowns. He is, um, I think he is second in receiving yards. He deserves to be there, but legitimately he's not going to get there. He's going to get there eventually. But right now they want to make him suffer uh, because they felt like he doesn't deserve to be a first or a second or a third, even a fourth ballot Hall of Fame. Remember Chris Carter, I don't think Chris Carter got in uh, the first time either. And uh, remember Marvin Harrison, I don't think he got in. Remember Marvin Harrison uh, was a, basically um, may or may not have killed somebody he was a suspect hmm. for the police he really was like they i mean they, go go research it he 's been a suspect in some shady dealings like i don 't know killed the guy uh, people people suspected he might have killed somebody at a car wash or something crazy it it 's a weird it 's weird um but his shady uh doings might have kept him from getting it initially. Remember Chris Carter had his issues uh with you know drugs and alcohol. And you know that might have kept him from getting in initially. And Michael Irvin, Michael Irvin got in initially got in, I think, first time. That's probably because you know he has so he's Super Bowl rings, and that's maybe that's what To is lacking. That can would be a deal breaker, or not a deal breaker, would be what seal the deal, I should say, for him. Would be a Super Bowl ring. He doesn't have that, so if you don't have that, then yeah, all the other issues come up for him. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. You know, maybe they can learn from it. A lot of diva wide receivers right now as good as they are, are paying for some of their past transgressions, if you will. All right, thanks for the update, Chris. Hey, Chris, let me give you this story. How okay. about this, dude? This is cool. Uh we know the Tom Brady the Tom Brady jersey is missing. Yes. And also the as you reported yesterday, the ball, the the the, the game-winning uh touchdown football is also missing. Yes. They don't know where it is. And I don't know how they lost track of that because you know, uh the player that scored the game winning touchdown James White he said that he lost track of it um celebrating and they should have cameras on figuring out who picked it up and, and what they did with it yeah um but i they they lost track of that too but uh in, in regards to the jersey which the Texas Rangers are now investigating and the HPD of course um they got a timeline um so the theft is believed to have occurred I know this just like the first 48 or something. We're past the first 48, which means there's, uh, the chances of them solving the case drop precipitously. Mm. Uh, that's what I learned from the first 48. All right, but according to NFL sources, the theft is believed to have occurred between approximately 10.05 and 10.20 p.m. The 15-minute time slot fell between Brady returning to the locker from his MVP news conference— and then remember that there's the audio of Tom Brady talking to the reporter saying, "Man, you guys see my jersey? Y'all see my jersey?". They're like, "No, we haven't seen your jersey." He's like, "Somebody stole my jersey." Tom Brady took off his jersey, uh, apparently when he returned from the news conference and put it in a bag of his. It says after the game ended, Brady was ushered to the on-field podium for the post-game victory celebration. Prior to climbing the podium, Brady handed off his shoulder, handed off his shoulder pads and jersey to a team employee, who then delivered the items to Brady's locker. At the time the Patriots locker room was closed, only players, team officials, and NFL employees were allowed inside. Following his pod- podium appearance, Brady descended from the stage and met his family, then was ushered by an NFL employee to his MVP news conference in the in the stadium of NRG State NRG. Uh, Brady departed that media session at roughly around ten oh five. Just after 10.05 p.m., Brady was taken to the locker room on a cart driven by a line of media awaiting entrance to the locker room. He then entered the closed locker room, which sources said was filled with approximately 30 people, um, consisting of a mix of players, employees, Patriots employees, family of team executives and NFL employees. Uh, arriving to his locker, Brady found his shoulder pads and jersey waiting on a folding chair. He separated the two items, stuffing his jersey inside a personal carry-on bag that was sitting inside his locker. He then left his shoulder pads on the floor where they eventually were collected by equipment employees. At some point, after separating his jersey and pads, Brady left his locker area, mingled around the locker room, still close, mind you, still close to employees, players, and uh, NFL officials. Okay? Like, uh, like not referees, but actually officials. Like, high up, men, the top men, suits. Um, so at one point, he took a photo of his family. Uh, by this point, Brady... Um, informed the, the league officials that he wished to spend the rest of the night with teammates and family, and he wanted to refuse, refuse any media after that. Just before 10.17 p.m., the, we have the video, the audio of uh, Brady Dent saying, oh, man, where's my jersey? You guys seen my jersey? Where's my jersey? What's going on? Have you guys seen it? Boom. Somebody took it out of his bag. And we now know, based on the timeline, oh, it was definitely an inside job. Definitely an inside job, Chris. It was Ocean's Eleven style maybe even because they had a 15-minute window, maybe even less than that, 12 to 13-minute window
3: president trump needs to interrogate everybody who was in that locker room there you go and
2: if necessary
3: i don't want to go there yet but if we don't find the jersey maybe some waterboarding yeah, to, you know to what? get to
2: the bottom of this hey you know what enhanced it get enhanced interrogation yes. techniques to figure Brady's this a out. friend
3: of the president i think he, he, we can maybe go there on this one yeah
2: no doubt about it send the fans down there all right uh we'll come back and we'll discuss uh some more of brady's jersey also we'll talk some nba this is Sports Buffet, All right, welcome back to the sports buffet. All right, now. I I'm I'm familiar with some of the like uh the, the the urban dictionary terms that people throw around and uh you know sometimes they go over my head but you know a lot of time I I think I you know, I I figure about um well I don't think our president is familiar with a term he threw out there that is a term that is um is defined in the urban dictionary but that's about it. And usually if you're a president or a political figure, you want to stay away from uh, urban dictionary definitions. All right. So, Chris, how about this? Uh, Donald Trump tweets this out. President Trump tweets this out. Okay. Big. In, he says big – and we're going to stay away from the political side of this tweet, okay? I uh, just, just want to get into the term. Big increase in traffic into our country from certain areas while our people are far more vulnerable as we wait for what should be – IN ALL CAPS EASY D EXCLAMATION MARK EASY D mm. uh people started going crazy on twitter about this um, and and the easy d i didn't know what it meant do you know what easy d means no i uh, and and when when i heard that tweet or it,
3: and people were talking about it, i thought it meant easy decision he was running out of 140 characters so i thought he was talking about the judges Ruling on whether or not his immigration ban is legal.
2: I think he is. I believe you are correct. I, cause I, it, I was like, I don't know. But yeah, cause I was like, why is everybody else flipping out over the easy D? And he puts it in all caps, which okay. I think is why people flipped out the E A S Y D. Uh, and then go to the Urban Dictionary, top definition of easy D a girl that is very easy to get with and has <laughs> double D's. Whoa. Boom. The easy D. There you go. That's why very immature uh, social media Twitter is flipping out. Uh, should be easy D. Oh, Should be easy D. Yes, you got to watch... You got to watch that, the Easy D thing. You know, you never know, <laughs> an Urban Dictionary term will get you in trouble. I'm sure he meant what you just pointed out there, Chris, that he did not mean to uh, point out a loose woman with uh, double Ds. Yeah, uh,
3: he does like his women, though. He's, <laughs> he's a connoisseur. He only, he only dates tens, but that know, is, he's, a, that is true. he's a
2: connoisseur. That yeah. is a good point, yeah. Uh, but I would say the Urban Dictionary and the actual dictionary more and more are starting to um, – uh, be tougher to differentiate i saw the merriam uh the merriam webster's dictionary they're putting in uh truther into the dictionary now throw shade is going Whoa. in the dictionary that term binge watch is going in the dictionary ghost you know what ghosting is chris uh no uh-huh see yeah i learned these terms all right all right djlg you know what ghosting is you is cool like
3: when you leave you're, you're ghost you're out of here
2: it it is kind of like that, yeah. Like ghost them out here, but it when you cut somebody off, never talking to them again, you ghost them. Oh wow! Okay. Like you cut off all communication. No it's social media. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> you can. I guess you can get ghosted, or you can ghost somebody. Yeah. There you go. Uh, also go Yes. Yeah, so you got to. You got to. Every now and then, you should just get over the Urban Dictionary, and uh, if you got kids, you definitely need to be over there. Kids will be speaking a different language. You never know it. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to get into this Kevin Durant story. We'll get into it next segment. Essentially, and you let me know what you think about this, Chris. I know you got uh, you got to get out here for the five o'clock. Kevin Durant says that uh, he doesn't think he thinks the the feud between he and Russell Westbrook is uh, is fake. Is fake news. It's a uh, media fabrication that the media is doing this. Um, that it's the media's. Um, uh, you know pumping it up and the media wants it's fake drama i think is the term that he used i, I think that's wishful thinking on his
3: part i mean it, it certainly seems real when you look at or listen to russell westbrook
2: yes agreed uh i agree with that 100 percent. yeah so that's what we'll get into next so i think yeah i think he's spouting out alternative uh facts <laughs> uh, a little bit all right hey chris uh, have a good one brother appreciate all your help all uh, right thanks we'll be back with the five o'clock at all the big headlines this is the hump day edition of your sports buffet
1: Austin, Texas. I think I'm a brick on Bud life today. This is the Sports Buffet. That was delicious. On Austin Sports Talk Leader, AM 1300, the Zone, And iHeart Radio station. Now, your host, lifetime Longhorn and former NFL player Rod Babers.
2: Welcome back to the Sports Buffet, the hump day edition of your Sports Buffet. You can always hit us up and be a part of it on the hotline, 1 Live, 1 5483. You also can hit us up via Twitter at Sports Buffet One, the number one. You can hit me up at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. My man, uh, Sam is at BTG760. Chris is at Chris Duel, Sports That's Crystal at in Duel, D-U-E-L-N-D, Twitterverse. Uh, my man Lawrence is at DJLG210. I'm sure I finally got that right. And uh, my man Mike is on a much-deserved vacation. You can hit him up, cyberstalk him at ZonedMike as well. All right, we got a ton of things to get into. We'll get into the difference between cheating and gamesmanship a little bit later on uh, because Deion Sanders called out Tony Dungy, of all people about cheating. And uh, nobody's ever called out Tony Dungy about cheating. So that's something that we'll get into. I think it's pretty interesting. We're also going to talk some NBA. I talked about Kevin Durant, whether he's been uh, influenced by uh, Kellyanne Conway or Sean Spicer. He's, uh, he's spouting alternative facts, I believe. He called the feud between he and Russell Westbrook fake drama, getting ready to return to Oklahoma City for the first time since uh, leaving to go to Golden State. Uh, doing that Saturday, I believe, this Saturday coming up. So there's a lot of uh, hoopla, if you will. There's a lot surrounding that matchup of him going back to Oklahoma City. That is going to be must-watch television. But Kevin Durant is saying that it's fake drama between he and Russell Westbrook. We'll examine the fake drama and determine whether Kevin Durant is just uh, spouting fake nonsense uh, and alternative facts, if you will. All right, so we'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. We're also going to uh, jump into some NFL news notes and nuggets. There is a timeline now for the Tom Brady jersey theft. They have pieced together a 15-minute timeline as to when it happened and what group might have been around the Tom, Brazy, Tom Brady jersey when it was stolen. Keep in mind, also, the game ball, the championship ball, uh, the, 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 the ball That scored the the touchdown in the Super Bowl, it is also missing. So you don't have that either. They don't care about the ball right now. Right now, everybody's concerned with Tom Brady's jersey. They said could be you know one of the most valuable sports collectibles in the history of sports. All right, that's how valuable. I, I mean, we've thrown out some crazy theories, but I don't think any of them are off the table. The the timeline, and we'll get into it. A timeline to me proves it was an inside job. To me, the timeline proves it was an inside job. Not that that was, I, I don't think, a big um, a reach anyway. I don't think that was a reach. I think that was the first thing that I said, it's got to be an inside job. But I think the timeline proves that it was an inside job. Now I think uh, the detectives, the Texas Rangers, the HPD, whoever they're going to put on the case, the true detectives, I think they can start narrowing down the suspects, really intriguing so we'll get to that we'll talk about it. we'll give you the the latest there we'll also jump into a discussion for Cowboys fans about DeMarcus Ware possibly becoming a Dallas Cowboy I think that's a good discussion and Texans fans are upset or at least some of them are upset that the Texans have raised ticket prices and uh, hell you would argue after Brock Osweiler they should have been giving rebates to, <laughs> to Texans fans not raising ticket prices so we'll get into uh, that discussion too uh, because uh, I think it's it's interesting because I you know the the Texans have had I believe it's a hundred and fifty four straight sellouts or a hundred and fifty something consecutive sellouts. I mean they they sell their place out and they haven't they have never had a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, but on the Bill O'Brien, they make the playoffs. It's a playoff product. but They never have a franchise quarterback, so it's not really anything sexy to sell. That's what J.J. Watt was a big uh, selling point for fans because he was the face of the franchise. They haven't had a lot of faces of the franchise, if you will. And, uh, you know, you want one ideally at the quarterback position. Texans haven't been able to do that. So it is interesting the way they – I mean, people love their football in Texas. Uh, they have a waiting list. I want to say their waiting list is like 27,000. Uh, Persons If you will On their waiting list So yeah They can raise the prices I mean hell This is good business To raise the prices When you got 27,000 people On the waiting list It's like Texas football I remember when Steve Patterson came in uh, Started cutting back And and hiking up Ticket prices for fans Uh, Yeah the product Wasn't that great Um, But, yeah, I mean, fans still came and hiked hiked up the ticket prices, and, yeah, fans will still pay. Imagine if the product was good. So for the Texans, it's good business, but I would would offer an alternative considering they don't have to do it to – make money or keep up with inflation. They don't have to do it. Um, I understand it's a good business a way to make money, so I would offer a better public relations alternative for the Texans. But, but we'll get into that a little bit later on when we talk some more NFL. All right, so we got all that to get to. It's going to be a jam-packed 5 o'clock hour. Let's start with what I think is the biggest story of the day. And it's a story that broke earlier, you know, earlier, i say around noon or so, and I saw it first from Bruce Feldman, but I've since seen it. Uh, at different places. And this from, you know, the story from cron.com, the, uh, the big 12 conference, uh, they voted unanimously to withhold 25% of future revenue from Baylor pending review of athletics changes, um, Govern uh, new regulations and governance, them meeting new uh, ethical standards and obligations for, of the conference. Baylor was not included in the board vote and will be responsible for all the associated costs of the the meetings and the vote. Basically uh, all the fees associated with it, right? Uh, Like legal fees, if you will. Each big 12 school received about 30 million in revenue last year. So uh, that would mean you're talking about 25 percent. You're talking about seven and a half million dollars or something like that. So, uh, you know, something close to that. You, so it's 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 interesting. That's and not that is you have to understand that is being withheld. So if the third party, because I think there, it's going to be uh, changes and Uh, there'll be a verification by a third party that Baylor is meeting and meeting their obligations, meeting all the standards of the conference. They will get that money back. So as I pointed out, a lot of people are praising this move. It's not a punishment for Baylor in a sense, and it's not a penalty. It's more of a gesture by the big 12. That's what I call it. I don't call it a penalty. I don't call it a punishment. I think it's a gesture because Baylor is And mark my words, I do ultimately, Baylor's going to get this money back. Now, if they had taken that money and they had donated that $7 million and just taken it, stripped it from Baylor and said, nope, you ain't getting it back. Nope, you ain't getting the money back. We're donated to victims of sexual assault. That is a punishment. That would be a true penalty. This is not a penalty. This is a gesture by the Big 12. And they are posturing. This is what the Big 12 does. And, you know, a Big 12 is a conference that that it's a, you know, a, a rudderless ship. It lacks leadership. It lacks vision. Some people have criticized it for being borderline incompetent. And yet I and that's that's one of the reasons I don't trust the conference to handle, you know, this issue, really. I mean, and I'm the one who have this conspiracy theory, which I tell you is actually started to gain more and more merit that when we went to Big 12 media days. Uh, this last Big 12 media day, and everybody's supposed to be talking about uh, the Baylor scandal because that just broke. They decided to uh, put up uh, this distraction. Um, you know, it was the essentially put up this this uh, this mirage, this veil, and they threw out that they were going to expand. It became about expansion. So instead of all the media there, from national media and from regional media, asking questions about the Baylor scandal, all the talk was about Big 12 expansion. That became the talking point, leaving the Big 12. I said at the time, I said, uh, this, in my opinion, is all a distraction. It's all a farce to get everybody talking about expansion and to get their eyes off of the – what I think should be the main subject matter and the main priority, which is Baylor's sexual assault scandal. And it worked. Uh, People were distracted by it a little bit um, because Baylor there, because that scandal is continuing to, uh, uh, they're continuing to develop and it continues to be bombs dropped. Uh, Not only another shoe dropped, but there are a ton of shoes dropping for Baylor because more and more of these details are starting to come out. uh, You know, To me, I think, you know, for the Big 12, what really would have hurt them might have been for them to take scholarships instead of uh, sanctioning money because I think ultimately Baylor's going to get this – they're going to get this back. They're going to get this money back. So I said it's not a a punishment. It's a gesture. They're going to get the money back. I mark my words they're going to get it back because, you know, when the Big 12 said they were going to expand and it turns out that it was a farce and ask any school that – you know, came out publicly and acknowledged that there wasn't much of a vetting process. There wasn't much of an expansion process. Um, That was more proof that the Big 12 did that in order to distract people from the Baylor scandal. They can't do that because the Baylor scandal continues to be ongoing. All right. So they can't continue to distract from it. This is them posturing, trying to look good and look like they're doing something and look like they're concerned. They are not. You really want to hurt Baylor and everybody knows it, you'd have docked scholarships. Or you'd have taken that money, penalized them and donated that money. They didn't do either of those. So once again it tells me the Big Twelve, like they were doing at Big Twelve Media Days, when they lied to everyone and said they were expanding. Uh they're they're making this all up again. I, I put money on it that Baylor's gonna get that money back. And when they do um i won't be shocked at all and they're going to drop that uh during the football season nobody's going to be talking about it. nobody will, will know about it i wouldn't doubt it if, if, i know Bay said baylor was not a part of this um but i think um the big 12 knows that baylor the perception of baylor and the negativity surrounding baylor ultimately hurts the brand of the big 12 uh, and that's why they may be – now. I'm on the wrong side of this thing, uh, but I think that they need to be a little bit more proactive with this thing. But maybe they don't that, – that's not a priority for them. The NCAA, we won't even talk about the NCAA. Uh, the NCAA has done nothing. They haven't even really made a statement, hopefully because it's an ongoing investigation – uh, but, you know, the NCAA thinks they acted too harshly to the Penn State scandal. So for everybody saying death penalty and screaming death penalty, that's not going to happen. If you don't get the death penalty for a, a scandal about sexually assaulting children, then uh, this scandal, uh, unfortunately, about the sexual assault of women is not going to get the death penalty. The death penalty is dead. Nobody's ever going to get the death penalty again. That's essentially what the NCAA is saying. That's a mistake, I think, to kill it because there are circumstances where the death penalty will scare some folks. they have scared them straight, if you will, and that would be institutions like Baylor or Penn State. But even if you're not going to give the death penalty, at least uh, I said they should it shouldn't have been the death penalty. They should have allowed all the student-athletes at the time the scandal broke to leave without penalty, without, without punishment, without having to, be, to sit a year. That would have worked out really well. That would have been a death penalty without giving them a death penalty because they'd have lost so much of the football program. All the guys would have left like all the recruiting class of 2016 left for them. Uh, that didn't happen, and now I think the NCAA is, uh, they're, they're, they lack the testicular fortitude to do anything. Uh, but give the Big 12 credit for doing something, I guess. They grew a pair, a very small, uh, small, tiny pair. But they grew a pair, so good for them. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk about the difference between cheating and gamesmanship. This is your Sports Buffet. All right, welcome back to the Sports Buffet. That is... um. It's pretty appro- I-, I didn't even uh, tell my man Lawrence to play Biggie. But I actually have a take related to Biggie. That's a... Uh, boom, I like that, brother. It's uh, ESP. I like that. It's good. Um, all right. Now, Kevin Durant. He's got to go back to Oklahoma City this weekend. For the first time since he left to go to Golden State. And... You know he said this, and I, I I really I can't believe he actually said it, but he he might, he be, he might believe this. He said to I believe it's Mark Stein who did an interview with him that will air um, this weekend. He said, I realized uh, that early on in the season that the contention between he and Restbrook was quote "fake drama." He called it fake drama. He went on to say, um, I was doing an interview with someone and I used the word unselfish to describe my teammates here uh, and the Warriors, this is Kevin Durant, and the Warriors asked Russell the question, asked if he heard what I said about being unselfish, and he phrased the question as if I was saying that the Thunder and the organization and the team was selfish, and once I heard that, I was like, they are trying to get in between this thing and make it bigger than what it is. So he's saying that the media, they're twisting uh, the words, twisting the narrative a little bit, and they're, they're instigating. They're trying to get Russell Westbrook all pumped up, and it's, it's the media. That's what Kevin Durant says. So he's calling it fake drama. And uh, I don't know if I believe that. First of all, it, the, the drama is real. The beef is real. They haven't talked, number one, since uh, he left. They haven't talked face-to-face. Uh, Russell Westbrook has admitted that. Um, there is the incident where the last game they played against each other, Russell Westbrook's leaving the floor. One of his teammates is going over to talk to Kevin Durant, and he tells him, nah, don't say nothing to that B-A-N um, all of those being words that I cannot mention on the air, but the B word, the A word, and the N word. Uh, he said, yeah. Uh, he dropped that. He uh, and that was yeah. That actually got caught by the cameras. Remember the the commercial he makes about the uh the jump man where he says, um, you know the 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 runways commercial. He said, you know, some people, I believe the the phrase is some people run and some people make runways. Uh, so, it, it, it there was a subtle jab. He said some run, some make runways or something like that. Subtle jab at Kevin Durant. I mean, all these jabs. Even even when they play against – Remember the Zaya Pachulia situation where uh, Russell Westbrook says, oh, I'm going to get his yeah, – I'm going to get his arse. Like, he th- it, I mean, it, it's, it's gotten pretty uh, contentious between the two. Even Kevin Durant who won't admit it. He's had his two highest-scoring games of the season against Oklahoma City. And yet he wants to call it fake drama. Hell, you know, the fans hate him. They named a, 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 a town in Oklahoma Durant. They There's a Durant, Oklahoma. All right. That's how much they love him. And there's a thin line between love and hate. So the fans hate him. And symbolically, I think Russell Westbrook has that same hatred. So he hadn't talked to him. And uh, he doesn't like them. He's kind of admitted that. You would call that real drama. That's real drama. That's not fake drama. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, this beef between the two. It's starting to remind me of the Tupac and Biggie beef a little bit. Because, uh, and stay with me here. And I obviously hope it, it's not getting violent or anything like that. nobody going to get killed. Uh, but it reminds me of the Tupac and Biggie beef in the sense that, you know, Tupac was all about being uh like like pissed and vitriolic and upset and angry at biggie like he instigated the beef like he wanted the beef he fed off the beef uh between he and biggie actually you know what i mean like he really like he and whether that was based on him just what he genuinely believed that biggie might have had something to do with him getting shot or whether you know biggie should have had more may have known something about it uh, whatever it is, he but it it fueled him it, it it drove him. That beef was was part of what made you know that that era of of hip hop for Tupac that made it great. Uh, you know, what I mean, you he, he can feel it in his music. And anytime he used to talk to Biggie, you remember in that time, Biggie would always go, "Man, I got no problem with Tupac. Yeah, I got I, I don't know what Tupac is talking about. Tupac is saying that I know something about the guys that shot him. I don't know what he's talking about." I it, it, and I I got nothing against Tupac personally. Last time, uh, before all that, we talked, we were cool. Uh, now, at now apparently, Tupac doesn't like me, and Tupac thinks I had something to do or knew something about him getting killed. Every time they talk to Biggie, at the same, uh, you know, at the same points that he was making, the same argument, and I don't know why Tupac is so mad at me. Right, Biggie is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is everything. Every time he talks to him about the the beef with Westbrook, he's like, man, I got nothing against Westbrook. Me and Westbrook, I, I'm cool with him. I, you know, Remember, he's the one trying to talk to him in the games. He's like, no, I got nothing against Westbrook. I, he hadn't said a bad word, anything negative, close to negative, about Russell Westbrook since they parted ways. And that's, that's all Biggie was about during the actual beef. We all knew it was a beef going on. Tupac's rapping about having sex with his wife. He's uh, making diss songs about him, all that kind of stuff. And yet uh, Biggie's like, man. Eh. It was all good. And I think, actually, when he when he admitted he had, well, not admitted, when he said he had sex with his wife and hit him up, that's when I think Biggie kind of jumped back and was like, all right, you know what, now 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 you'd have, you'd have crossed the line, all right? I didn't know anything about you getting shot, or I didn't know anything about what was going on, but now you insulted my wife, now you said you, you had sex with my wife, now, now I'm looking emasculated in front of the hip-hop community. I got to do something. But before that, you know what I mean, and then they got the East-West thing, they got involved in it um but that's a different story my point is you know Biggie was always acting passive and Tupac was extremely aggressive in you know in letting everybody in open about his his hatred and vitriol and disdain for uh for Biggie and that's Russell Westbrook he 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 makes no bones about it. he's thrown several subtle jabs at uh, at Kevin Durant and made it pretty obvious that no I don't like that guy anymore that guy's a BAN to me He's a, he's a ban, all right? Uh, you know what I mean? That's what he is to me. So in, in that vein, I, you know, it's, it's interesting that Kevin Durant has this, uh, this image, this perception of the beef. Everybody else has another perception of it, including Russell Westbrook. But Kevin Durant, his, his 2 highest high-scoring games of the season versus Oklahoma City, that's going to be must-watch television this weekend, must-watch television. All right, how about this is a beef? This is, I don't know if this was a beef, but it's, it's just getting started. Deion Sanders on NFL Network, he was talking with Ladanian Thomason, uh, talking about the Patriots and the Patriots cheating. And uh, actually called out the Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy, for cheating. And uh, we'll, get, we'll get into it. I mean, it was pretty. And then Tony Dungy responded. Tony Dungy had a retort to Deion Sanders' allegations that he, he and Peyton Manning were cheating. Now, was it cheating if they didn't get caught? It's like Charles Barkley always says, they ain't cheating if you don't get caught. Uh, was it cheating or was it gamesmanship? Uh, we'll get into that when we come back. We'll have that discussion. Uh, we'll also talk about one of the best sports names that I've ever heard, and this guy might be uh, good enough to earn that, that great sports name. We'll get into all that more. When we return. This is the Hump Day edition of Your Sports Buffet welcome back to the sports buffet you can always hit us up Via Twitter at Sports Buffet one the number one. You also can hit us up on the hotline one eight seven seven three six six live one eight seven seven three six six five four eight three. All right, let's before we jump into the story about cheating, we might as well talk about the Patriots. That's a nice segue anyway. And uh, there is a news on two different fronts. There are two developments in the Tom Brady stolen jersey, the Tom Brady stolen jersey. And it first is, now they have a timeline. So apparently the timeline puts the theft somewhere between 10.05 and 10.20. So apparently Tom Brady, he is uh, hanging out just after 10.05. Brady was taken to the locker room on a cart. Um, He then entered the closed locker room, which was closed only... To Patriots, employees, players, family of team executives and NFL employees, approximately 30 people, they say. All right. So arriving to his locker, Brady found his shoulder pads and his jersey waiting on a folding chair. So his jersey was waiting on a folding chair. Brady takes the jersey, uh, stuffs his jersey inside a personal carry on bag that was sitting inside his locker, then left his shoulder pass up for the equipment people. Then Brady goes around to uh, hang out with friends and family, and everybody that's in the locker room at this moment is still just friends and family. And then um, Brady refuses any more media requests, saying, hey, man, I just want to hang out with my family, I to hang out with my friends and teammates. And then they open the locker room to the media, Um. The waiting media, and it's at this time that Tom Brady starts discussing with a member of the media, "Hey man, I don't. You see my jersey? Have anybody seen my jersey? Anybody seen my jersey?" So they they may or may not. At least I think they have. I think they kind of narrowed down the suspect pool, if you will. I still think what the and this definitely tells you it was an inside job, right? If if it was indeed stolen, it was definitely an inside job. Texas Rangers, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, HPD, whatever, True Detectives, whoever's on the case, it was definitely an inside job. No question. I think it was Ocean's Eleven style. My man Chris Doyle, had a great theory. Hell, Putin may be behind the whole damn thing. Who knows? Putin does have a Patriots Super Bowl ring. He stole it from Robert Kraft. That's a true story, by the way. I'm not making that up. He stole a Super Bowl ring from Robert Kraft. He took it, tried it on, walked off with it, never gave it back. That's a true story. All right, Putin took a super. owns a Super Bowl ring of the Patriots. Hell, they're not going to get it back now. What are they gonna do? Ask Donald Trump to go get it for him. Ask President Trump to go get the the, the Super Bowl ring. Uh, so you know, Putin may have orchestrated an Ocean's Eleven style heist of the Patriots jersey. Maybe he wants the jersey too. Maybe he's about the those, those black market uh, sports memorabilia. It, it, he's all about stuff like that. Maybe he's got you know jock straps of famous football players. Jim Brown's jock strap or something. Uh, maybe the you know OJ. Maybe he's got some from OJ. Maybe he's got maybe he's got the knife. Uh, whatever. You know, I mean, maybe he's into some crazy stuff like that. That could be the case. Uh, either way, I think yeah, I think it's something deeper here. Now, the the TMZ is reporting. Uh, the the latest development may be that there is a, a there's an equipment truck that is headed to Boston from the Super Bowl, and it is filled with all types of stuff. Like they don't know exactly what's in it. It's one of those big 18 wheelers full of stuff, big equipment truck that they drove down there. That truck is going to be unloaded tomorrow. And potentially that truck could have the Tom Brady jersey in there collected by an equipment guy. And it also could have the football, the the, the, the game-winning touchdown uh, football, which also is missing. I think both of those items could be in the truck. If they're not, yeah, they got to keep looking. They got to find it, all right? And you might have to get Trump, who's a friend of uh, Tom Brady's, a friend of Bill Belichick's, to send in the feds uh, to, you know, get down there and, and get the job done. Go find Tom Brady's jersey. Damn it, it should be in the Smithsonian, not even the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It should be in the Smithsonian for the GOAT, the greatest of all time. That's where it should be, damn it. And it should have went straight. It was going. I don't know why the, the jersey didn't go straight from there to the Hall of Fame. Right? Shouldn't, I mean, you would think maybe Tom Brady was trying to, well, I guess Tom Brady could get something for it. Yeah, you know, and maybe Tom Brady was thinking like that. Usually those items go straight from the locker room to the Hall of Fame. you think there's like a guy that's his job. You'd think there'd be one guy, like his job is to, when there's a big moment like that, that his job is to secure the, the memorabilia, the classic sports memorabilia, and then set it aside and make sure it's taken care of. They they say it could be the most valuable uh, piece of one of the most valuable pieces of sports memorabilia ever. That I mean, I think one of his jerseys has already sold. I think for over a hundred thousand. Hell, that thing could sell. I don't know, three hundred, maybe even close to half a mil. I mean, depends on how much you like Tom Brady. Hell, Mark Wahlberg will probably buy it for for two million easy. <laughs> Hell, it might be Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> he might orchestrate the whole damn thing because he really wants a, a a black market Tom Brady jersey. It could all work out. No conspiracy theory right now is off the table. All right, so Deion Sanders calls out Tony Dungy. Here's what he said when they were discussing the Patriots and the Patriots cheating, and here's what uh, Deion Sanders said about Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning with the Colts. Those same critics, did they say something about the wins that the Indianapolis Colts had? You want to talk about that, too, because they were getting everybody's signals. Come on, you don't want. You don't walk up to the line and look over here and the man on the sideline giving you the defense that they've stolen the plays of. We all knew. LT knew. Everybody in the NFL knew. We just didn't let the fans know. That was real and that was happening in Indy. Uh, Tony Dungy's response... Um, I'll give you the opposite of the coin. We're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm the coach of the Indianapolis Colts on a Monday night. Peyton Manny came to me before the game and said, Bruce Arians used to be with us. Is now coaching there. I know he's told them our hand signals. I'm going to get them because I'm going to give a fake run signal and I know they're going to bite because Bruce has told them our signals. And on the first play of the game, he gave a signal to Marvin Harrison, Ike Taylor. Pittsburgh's corner thought it was a run play and it was an 82-yard touchdown. That's all part of the game, but doing it legally and illegally that's the difference i hope dion is not saying we did something illegally of course we got signals when we had an opportunity to do that and so did dion i agree totally with tony dungy The difference between um cheating and gamesmanship and uh if you don't get caught essentially that's uh, and it's within the rules that's gamesmanship. It, it's stealing signals it's, it's not against the rules by the way um, but usually it, it ain't you know it ain't cheating if you don't get caught. And you know, there have been a lot of teams that have uh, been caught cheating. I mean, the history. And listen, the Falcons had they had they were pumping extra noise into the stadium to get a home field advantage. Hell, the Forty ers of the the nineties they were paying players under the table. Um, you know, there is the Seattle Seattle Seahawks who have, you know, done a ton of different things uh, in the Pete Carroll era, a number of different things that are outside of the rules. You have, I mean, so there's a lot of different examples. Denver Broncos have done some shady things in the 90s. You know, so there are a lot of examples of it. The Patriots just have been the most dominant team and also been caught up with some cheating scandals. But that is cheating. If you get caught, it's cheating. If you don't, I guess you can call it gamesmanship, and that's what Tony Dungy's calling it, gamesmanship. All right, we'll come back. We will uh, also discuss more NBA news notes and nuggets. This is your Sports buffet. All right, welcome back to the Sports Buffet. I, I saw this story in uh, the Daily Mail, and it's actually a real job. Like, there's yes, yeah, a real job opening from Mundelez. It's the one of the leading uh, chocolate makers in the world. It makes um, Cadbury chocolate and uh, Oreos, too, right? Uh, they need what the actual, here it is. They need a chocolate and cocoa beverage taster. So basically they need somebody to work seven and a half hours a week between Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, just tasting chocolate for them. (laughs) That's the job. I'm trying to look at how much it pays. Cause I would like to know how much it pays just eat chocolate all day, taste chocolate, and then tell them what you think. That has got to be up there. I'm fascinated by, like, best jobs ever. People always say, man, you have, a, you have a really great job. I do have a great job. I have a great job. No question about it. Um, that's a job that's better than my job. I got to say, it depends on how much money you're making. Um, We don't make a ton of money in radio either. But, you know, it depends on how much money you're making. that has got to be a a damn good job, man. If you can make, uh, you know, you can make five figures just tasting chocolate for a living, that's a a damn good life. Uh, It reminded me of the, I saw this. And this was actually a real job opening, too, out of Denver. They needed a cannabis quality control specialist. Boom. Somebody out there, they're can somebody that's somebody's real job on their resume: cannabis quality control specialist. All you do, you just smoke weed every day and then tell them what you think, <laughs> if you can still think after that. <laughs> that's the only that, that's the job. That, that's the job. I wonder how much that would pay. That actually, I think is a a high paying job, uh, ironically enough. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it got me thinking about jobs that are they're better than than my job. And I have a I really I have a dream job. I have a good job. If you were uh yeah, a, t- a chocolate taster, um the cannabis quality control guy, I'm sure has a great job. That's what he wants to do. Um the uh how about this? It says I, I always said a cr- if you're a critic of any kind, like uh, your job is just to be a hotel critic or a movie critic, or a resort critic. Basically, you just have to go on somebody else's dime and uh, use their product and then tell you what you think. That, great job. Your all-time great job. Uh, Condom tester, which is a real job, by the way. Uh, Durex (laughs) famously always opens their positions. (laughs) Uh, They they actually filled like 200 positions a few years ago of condom testers. I, I don't know how much the condom testers make, but I'm assuming it's got to be a good job. I wonder how that works. Or do you test them with your, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they work that out. And I don't know how they work that out in a legal way. But, yeah, condom tester is also a real job. Yeah, it's one of those jobs that's just a really, really cool job. So there you go. You don't don't ever think you can't do what you love to do for a living. It's, it's very possible. All right, let's talk about some folks who are doing what they love to do for a living um, and doing it well. And, and let's get into the NBA here, because I was talking about the, the, you know, the story about you know, Phil Jackson and uh, you know, LeBron James last week. And how you know, LeBron James wasn't going off on anybody. Everybody went off on Phil Jackson at one point. Phil, he's been going off on a lot of folks. And he went off on Phil Jackson because of the posse comment and all that kind of stuff. Well, Phil Jackson is now back in hot water. This time, possibly with his own superstar, Carmelo Anthony. Okay, so there was an article um, written in uh, the Bleach Report by Kevin Ding. And in that article, uh, Ding points out that basically Phil Jackson's triangle offense and his system in New York isn't working because he just doesn't have Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. Just that simple. That Carmelo Anthony ain't no Michael Jordan and he ain't no Kobe Bryant. That's the gist of it. I think we'd all agree with that. Well, Phil Jackson tweeted this out in response to that article. Bleacher's ding almost rings the bell. But I learned you don't change the spot on a leopard with Michael Graham in my CBA days. So he said Bleacher's ding almost rings the bell. So I, I know he's trying to get all cryptic with it, but it's essentially a shot at Carmelo and a shot across the bow at Carmelo. Um, so, so we'll come back and dive into it a little bit more and dissect it. But Phil Jackson now is uh, he's starting to sing like a mad king um, for the New York Knicks and alienating his only superstar, probably not a good decision. Um, so we'll get into it and dive into it. And, you know nobody wants carmelo anyway so he's probably stuck with carmelo i mean that's the truth all right we'll come back we'll talk about that we'll also hit the big headlines of the day all that more the hump day edition of your sports perfect
1: In Austin, Texas. I think I'm a breakout bird life today. This is the Sports Buffet. That was delicious. On Austin Sports Talk Leader, AM 1300, the zone. And iHeartRadio Station. Now, your host, Lifetime Longhorn and former NFL player, Rod Babers.
2: Welcome back to the Sports Buffet, the Hump Day edition of your Sports Buffet. You can always hit us up on the hotline one eight seven seven three six six Live. one 877 366 5483 There's also a text line, text the word sports, and your question or comment to 81530. You can hit us up on the in the Twitterverse at Sports Buffet1 The number one. Hit me up at Rod Bavers. My man Mike, he is on vacation, but you can hit him up at zoned Mike. My man Lawrence in uh, in his place, doing a great job. Hit him up at DJLD. G two one oh my man Chris Duell, out and about hit him up at Chris Duell, D U E L in the Twitterverse and Sam's at BTG seven sixty. We'll get into the Texans because the Texans apparently have. Uh, uh, upset some of their fans. Some of their fans are disgruntled because they uh, they bumped up the ticket prices. And um, a lot of people don't think that the product for the Texans is worth uh, bumping up the ticket prices. So we'll get into that uh, coming up a little bit later on here in the 6 o'clock. We're also going to uh, jump back into the NBA. Matter of fact, we're going to start off there talking about this uh, cryptic tweet by Phil Jackson uh, essentially uh, uh, taking a shot at Carmelo, at least it seems like he's uh uh taking a shot at Carmelo, so uh you know trying to figure out what it 's all about, so we'll dive into it a little bit There's a lot of drama in the n b a but there's even more drama happening uh right now with phil jackson he's a lot he's had a lot of drama this year remember the 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 Lebron James posse comment um he and jenny buss broke up uh his longtime fiance, who's the executive with the lakers uh they broke up this uh at least last year i should say and uh, the posse comment was also last year and um now he has this so it's been a last it's been a tough last six months or so for phil jackson so we'll get into that coming up in this segment also I want to get into a little baseball talk. We talked some baseball yesterday. Now that all the projections are coming out for the Major League Baseball season, I have a projection about the Astros that uh, that may be. I hope it's a I hope it's really good news for Astros fans. It it may be bad news, but uh, I think it's going to end up being really good news. So we'll talk some. Um, we'll talk some Astros a little bit later on in the show. We'll start talking some more baseball on the show. We'll do that. Also, we'll get into this story that uh, Texas high, some Texas high school football coaches may have lobbied for Major Applewhite White to get his job with U of H. And uh, not yeah, they did lobby, but that may have helped him get that job as the head coach at U of H, showing how much power Texas high school football coaches actually have. We got into the biggest story of the day. Now, we've talked about it a ton on the show already. Baylor. Is uh, being it's, it's interesting. They are being sanctioned, I should say, of sorts. And it's not really even that. Uh, they right now uh, the Big Twelve is withholding twenty five percent of their uh, their revenue and their their conference earnings. Twenty five percent of it, which I think adds up to around seven and a half million, they are going to withhold that money from Baylor until Baylor. Um, uh, I believe, has to abide by new regulations, uh, new ethical standards that the conference is putting forward, basically putting them on a probation of sorts uh, once they meet. uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. It is shameful. Uh, And uh, as soon as they meet all these uh, requirements and all these obligations, then they are going to get that money back. So the way I said it, I said it's. You know, I'm, I'm happy the Big 12 decided to get off their rear end and do something, all right? But it's more of a gesture than a penalty. It's more of a gesture than a punishment. It's not a punishment because Beto's going to get that money back, or they can get that money back. I think they will when they uh, whenever the third party uh, decides that they have met all the requirements. They're going to get that money back. So I don't even know what you call this, but at least it's something. The Big 12 has done something. Like I said earlier, they, they're growing a pair. It's just a really small Tiny minuscule pair that they're growing, but at least uh, they're, 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 they're at least they're making a public statement. I think for them it's more posturing i don't think they really care about making a difference or holding Baylor accountable. I think they were about more about the um, the perception and the image of the big twelve so I think once again, like they were posturing when they lied to everybody and said they were expanding uh, to. Uh, Distract from the Baylor scandal I think once again they're doing this To distract from the fact that They are not doing a real investigation Into what's happening at Baylor You really want to hurt Baylor Everybody knows you go after the mother's milk You go after the scholarships That's what college football programs are built on And that's what Listen that's what makes These college football programs great And that'll break a college football program Take away the scholarships The money they can get some donor To write a check some booster to write a check that's easy for them. You want to take away something that they can that's more valuable than money in college football and that's that's tough to say, but scholarships are more valuable than money in college football. All right. So that's and that's what you that's if you want to hurt them that's what they should have went after. Or if you want to really uh, make a statement, take that money, take that 25%, that 7 plus million and donate it to victims of sexual assault that would make a difference you know what i mean so that's it's like that's you know i always say that you know uh, a a woman wants to see uh, you know i make a woman wants to see you uh make that like a commitment women are big about making the commitments right they want to see you make the commitments uh you never want to give a woman you've been you know dating a long time like uh like a a ring on a a necklace, you know what I mean like that's just a it's a it's a gesture it's not a commitment she wants the ring she wants the commitment all right she wants to get past the gesture phase of a relationship, and right now that what Baylor did that's a that's a gesture that's it's not that is not uh them committing themselves to holding Baylor accountable they're not making a commitment to investigate uh what happened to the victims. they're not doing that this is a gesture so people will. Uh, somebody will pat They can pat themselves on the back But that's about it It it, it really means nothing it, And the NCAA as we pointed out As I have said plenty of times They like borderline criminal syndicate They have no uh, no scones They have no testicular fortitude They're flaccid, impotent They're, they're not going to do anything either They're still shaking in their boots Thinking they overreacted to a scandal About the uh, the sexual assault of Of, of children on a large scale. They thought they overreacted to that. All right. giving them a four year bowl ban and then, uh, brought that back and retracted that to two, two year bowl ban. So if, if you can't get the death penalty for a scandal about the sexual assault of children, you're not going to get the death penalty for Baylor for unfortunately, sexually assaulting, uh, women. That ain't going to happen. Probably should happen, but it's not going to happen because the NCAA is, uh, they have no clue at all, period. So I think in that vein, I, I, I don't want to be too hard on the Big 12, but my point is I don't have a lot of faith in the Big 12, and I don't think this is a genuine—I uh, don't think it's genuine. I, I think it's more disingenuous. It's just kind of a gesture by them. I don't think they really want to do anything. They just don't want the blowback from people because they know the scandal is getting worse. More and more, there's more and more coming out about it, and the Big 12 is starting to look really, really bad. It's starting to look like they're just, uh, you know, they're they're just gonna sit back and be complicit and let Baylor just run roughshod, no moral compass, uh, ethical standards at all. So at least they're doing something, uh, not nearly enough. I think we can all agree with that. Not nearly enough. Okay. All right. uh, We'll hit all of those subjects and we'll get back into them a little bit later on, too. Uh, We'll also have some fun a little bit later on in the uh, six o'clock. There are a couple of uh, random stories that we want to get into, including uh, a place here in Texas uh, being called the best place to live in the country. So we'll get into that, too. All right. Let's talk about Phil Jackson for a second. And um, we'll get into the Texan story about the. the the ticket prices uh, being raised and all that too. I think that's an interesting story. The Texans are raising their ticket prices and fans are upset about that. So Phil Jackson took a shot at Carmelo Anthony via a tweet. And uh, he was talking about an article that was written in the Bleacher Report. Um, And the article that was written in the Bleacher Report, essentially uh, the gist of it was that Phil Jackson's grand experiment with the the Knicks is not working because or it it won't work or it's not working because he doesn't have a Michael Jordan as Kobe Bryant type player. Essentially, he doesn't have an all-time great and uh, that's why it's not working because essentially Carmelo is not that guy. And although, I mean, you can throw out stats on that and argue that all day, I have said I believe Carmelo Anthony is not a championship player. It's kind of a You know, he's great at making Carmelo look good and great at making Carmelo look great. But when it comes to making others around him better, that's not really what Carmelo's game is suited for. So he's kind of a succubus in that respect. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't, everybody around him, they don't really benefit from his great stat lines. And that's been the biggest criticism of him. And you know, and he he's closer to Kobe than he is to Michael, obviously. But even Kobe, you know, Kobe wasn't like Mike. You know, Mike, uh, Michael Jordan, he made others around him better. And it was his will to win his competitive sickness that really drove him. And Kobe Brown was the same way, his competitive sickness he he wasn't even always a great teammate. Michael Jordan was a better teammate than Kobe. Kobe's competitive sickness it 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 overwhelmed him to the point where he couldn't even be a great teammate at time because he was his competitive sickness of one and Michael Jordan too right punching uh, John Paxson getting into it with teammates, that kind of stuff so uh, I think you know i i I think that Carmelo it has all the physical tools, but he's missing that competitive sickness. That that is almost contagious. You can't be around uh, a Kobe or a Michael and not take your game to the next level. It was you know it was contagious. It was that it was they, they had so much uh, competitive sickness. They had they had they had some to spare, and they gave it to others uh, when they needed it. That's what made them better. You know uh, Kobe would will you to be better. Um, so would Michael. I don't think Car- Carmelo has that, and that was essentially what he was saying. And in the tweet by Phil Jackson, he just agreed with the assessment. Um, The tweet was, Bleacher's ding almost rings the bell, but I learned don't change the spot on a leopard with Michael Graham in my CBA days. So, yeah, essentially he's agreeing with the report from the Bleacher Report, or at least the story from the Bleacher Report, uh, by... Uh, Kevin Ding, I believe is his name, that, yeah, it's just, you, just Carmelo's just not the guy for that system. He's probably doing that because it because it helps scapegoat Carmelo instead of Phil Jackson. And in the end, I think we can all agree that Phil Jackson as an executive, it just ain't working out. Phil Jackson as the head coach, greatest head coach in the history of the NBA. Some people are having a hard time reconciling that. That doesn't make him a great executive. All right? And right now he's starting to look like the Mad King, and he's calling out his star, who he wants to part with. We all know he wants to part with Melo, and they just can't figure out a way to get this mutual breakup to, uh, to come to fruition. And nobody wants to trade for him. Uh, but at this point, with the, you know, the posse comment and you know, the breakup with Jenny Buss, it's uh, starting to look like maybe uh, Phil Jackson's Maybe he's unraveling a little bit. All right, uh, maybe that's the case. All right, we'll come back. We will uh, discuss the Texans ra- uh, raising their ticket prices and why Texans fans are a little upset about it. All of that more when we return. This is your Sports Perfect. All right, welcome back to the Sports Buffet. You know, to wrap up our discussion about, you know, Phil Jackson and what he said about Kevin Dings' um, story in Bleacher Report. And Kevin Dean's story essentially saying that yeah, Phil Jackson, um, his system's not going to work because uh, Carmelo's not Jordan Bryant, And even Phil Jackson knew that, but Phil Jackson uh, thought he could somehow make it work triangle offense and put the right pieces around them. Uh, Phil Jackson tweeted out, bleachers, ding, almost rings the bell. Here's the part that's interesting. He said, but I learned you don't change the spot on a leopard with Michael Graham in my CBA days. So he's basically saying he knew that he couldn't change Carmelo Anthony, uh, but then why did he give him a no-trade clause? You know what I mean? If you know you can't, if you know you're not going to be able to trade him, then why'd you give him you know, so much power? Why'd you why'd you allow him to get the no-trade clause? Um yeah, so I, you know, I mean, that's the the thing, you know. So I, I don't know. Maybe Phil Jackson, hell, maybe Phil Jackson was just on it. Maybe he was stoned. It just might have been that simple. When he tweeted out it, maybe right now it doesn't mean it or it doesn't care about it. But uh, I, it's just a bad look for Phil Jackson. Bad look. And I, I think the New York Knicks are probably ready to move on from Phil Jackson too. Much like Jenny Bus moved on from Phil. Uh, they tried it for a while. It didn't work. All right. Lonzo Ball is a he's a high school basketball player. Lonzo Ball he is um la, la, he is he is the younger Lonzo Ball's younger brother. Excuse me, uh, Lamelo Ball. They I know they're brothers. Lonzo Ball actually is a basketball player. Uh, he plays uh, college basketball, and I be, for UCLA. And I believe Lamelo is also committed to UCLA. He has another little brother, the two ball brothers, leangelo Ball, and the three ball brothers. That is, uh, first of all, it's a great name for basketball players who are really good. This is what's crazy, um, that one of the players, LaMelo Ball, one of the brothers, LaMelo Ball, scored 92 points in uh, his last high school game for Chino Hill. Scored ninety. Two points he only had 29 points at halftime now he took 61 shots to get his 92 points but hell man watch out for the ball brothers lonzo ball uh lamello ball liangelo ball all the ball brothers that's what you're gonna watch out for not as good as having an offensive lineman named Kobe buffalo meet which I believe is uh, the name of the Illinois State See, I believe it's Illinois State offensive lineman who was signed, whose real name was Kobe Buffalo Meat. It ain't that good, but I will say that uh, Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball, that's a pretty good name for a basketball player. You hey, got to admit that. That's a damn good name for a basketball player. Uh, okay, let's get to this uh, Texan story. So the Texans are getting a lot of uh, negative blowback. The Texans announced they're raising ticket prices for the 2017 season. The Texans' average general ticket price next season is going to be $103.69 per ticket. Uh, That's up 6.5% from 97.32 in 2016. Houston's average ticket price in 2016 ranked them, I think, 13th in the NFL. And uh, the Texans anticipate their position will be similar, comparable, in 2017. So the 13th most expensive ticket in the NFL. The Texans have sold out. This is why they did it. And it's just good business why they did it. But we'll get into why, you know, the fans don't like it and why it's a bad public relations move. The Texans have sold out 154 consecutive games. That is a Houston NFL record. Um... And their 15 consecutive sold-out seasons represent the longest sellout streak of any professional team in Houston history. So people in Houston want these tickets. I think they have a 27,000-person wait list currently for uh, season tickets for Houston, Texas. And... NRG is said to have one of the best tailgating atmospheres, of course it would, is Texas. Uh, best tailgating atmospheres in the country. It's, it's, it's probably it's probably known for being top five best tailgating atmospheres in the country. I'm not making that up. It's really, really, really good. So now, but Texas fans are complaining because they're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're t- telling me that you're going to hike up the prices 6.5%, which I, do, I think, I don't know if that accounts for inflation, but it seems like that's a little more than uh, even taking into account inflation year over year. But that's a little that's a little more than inflation. So I think Texas fans are saying, well, hell, with Brock Oswald and that experiment, which miserably failed, you could argue you should give Texas fans a rebate. Hell, they they should get a discount, if anything, for these damn tickets or they should just stay the same because the product has stayed the same. Right. Texans have pretty pretty much had the same product the last few years. They are 9 and 7 team. Uh, they're going to make the playoffs and they may win one playoff game, maybe not. But they're definitely not going to win more than one playoff game. The product has essentially stayed the same. Some could even argue that it's gotten worse even though the defense was one of the better defenses in the NFL last year's number 1 total defense that that, that's that's not a legitimate enough reason to be raising ticket prices. Listen, raising ticket prices was just good business. I would argue that the Texans should have said something like, uh, we're going to keep the tickets the same. Um, We're going to keep the ticket prices the same this year, uh, but we're going to raise like the playoff tickets, like the price of the playoff tickets. Now, they're going to do that too. They're going to raise the regular season price, and they're going to raise the playoff price. Those tickets are sold separately, by the way. All right, you, know, you get access to playoff tickets. You get a chance to buy them, opportunity to buy them when you have regular season tickets, but it ain't guaranteed. So those are sold separately anyway. So say, listen, when we make the playoffs, when we earn that extra money, then we're going to hype, hike up the ticket prices for the Texas fans. But during the regular season, we'll leave them the same. That's I think that would have went over a little bit better, but they're going to make more money hiking them up for the regular season and for the playoffs. You know what they should do to give you more bang for your buck? You know, because their preseason games don't matter, and I think you have to, like, you know, get, buy preseason tickets when you buy, like, season tickets and all that kind of stuff. Bring in Johnny Manziel. After Johnny, you know, Johnny, Johnny's got to pass a couple of drug tests to get back to the NFL, but he's, he's uh, reinventing himself, and uh, he's rehabbing, and he's getting back into football shape. Bring in Johnny Manziel. Not to uh, compete for your starting quarterback position. No, you need to draft two quarterbacks in the draft. And I'll potentially see what you can do in free agency. Bring in a Tony Romo, whatever. Uh, Jay Cutler, whatever. Improve the quarterback position. But bring Johnny in for the preseason so people can get the bang for their buck during the preseason. You bring Johnny Madzell in just for preseason, and hell, you'll, uh, you'll sell probably more tickets than you've sold just for people trying to go to preseason games. You may, you may potentially almost sell out a preseason game if you have Johnny Madzell in Johnny there Manziel. Uh, for his comeback. So that, that would be my – if you don't do it, Jerry Jones is going to take advantage of it and do it because everybody knows that Dax – the starting quarterback and they're trying to ship Romo out. Hell, he'll probably bring in Johnny just for preseason games to get some straight cash homie. To get to get nationally televised preseason games for the Dallas Cowboys. So Texans, and you know what? Johnny would be a cheap backup if he actually did work out for the Cowboys. Not saying that's gonna happen. We know Jerry Jones loves him some Johnny. The Texans actually do need a quarterback. Not saying it's gonna be Johnny, but hell, bring him in for the preseason. It's not gonna hurt anybody. You need to draft two quarterbacks, reinvent the quarterback position, roll the dice, bring them in for the preseason, and that way you'll get some preseason hype. Hell, you can cut them once the season starts. over there is never going to bring you a title. Or who knows, it may be the greatest redemption story we've seen in the NFL in the last, I don't know, five, six years or so since Michael Vick. Who knows? Uh, all of that could happen. All right, we'll come right back. We will uh, jump into a, a discussion about uh, for Cowboys fans, a discussion for Cowboys fans when we come back. This is your Sports Buffet. Welcome back to the Sports Buffet. You can always hit us up via Twitter at SportsBuffet1, the number one. Uh, I saw this report. I got it from uh, USA Today. Um, But it is from U.S. uh, News and World Report. They unveiled their list of 2017's best places to live in America. Best places to live in America. And topping the list, numero uno. Usurping Denver, Austin, Texas, so by U.S. News and World Report to be the best place to live in America. A lot of Austinites know this is true. You know it's simply true from the traffic alone. All right, actually, Austin's traffic is some of the worst in Texas. It's always top three. That stretch. From um, 35, between 183 and 71, always some of the worst, like top three worst stretches in all of Texas. It's horrible. Some people listening to me right now um, probably experiencing some road rage, might be leading to some accidental racism. Don't let it happen to you, all right? Don't be angry at traffic. But that, that's, I mean, that's partly why Austin is one of the fastest-growing cities. So is Central Texas pretty much. All those cities in Texas are always among the fastest-growing uh, cities in the country and uh that's why the traffic is so bad people just keep on coming they love it they say the only thing austin is missing pretty much is a beach and you know i it, it's a good town for singles too i mean that's the one of the things that you know it's a i think it was voted like the hottest town for singles or declared the hottest city for single people too if you're single Uh it was also i think the uh men's health uh declared it the most uh, sex happy city in in the United States too um, and that was like a couple of years ago. So yeah, there are a lot of reasons uh, that people love Austin. Awesome Texas called the Silicon Valley of the South, and yet uh, kicked Uber and Lyft out of town. That was a different discussion. But apparently, a lot of people. And I always say that you can judge, and I'm not the only one who said it, but you know, it's been said before. You can judge the city's growth just go look at the skyline, go see how many cranes are on the skyline. There are only so many of those big giant cranes. Pretty much like in in, in you know in the Uh, in, In our region of the world, I should say, like those huge cranes that actually build skyscrapers. Um, and you can tell how they actually they have a, a website that counts the number of cranes in different cities, and it will tell you how fast your city is growing, kind of based on the crane. They'll call some cities the crane capital. Uh, it's Austin was the crane capital of the South for a while because so many cranes were there, constantly building uh, high rises and building skyscrapers. So yeah, I mean, yeah, Austin is growing really fast. Yeah, only thing bad about it the uh, the traffic and the accidental road rage, uh, the accidental race. That comes along with road rage. All right. but well, there you go. Um, so feel good about it. If you hang it out here in Central Texas, Austin named the best place to live in America. All right. Something else that I wanted to jump into here for Cowboys fans. And uh, I haven't done a lot of research on, you know, the cap numbers and the salary cap numbers for the Cowboys. But in March, DeMarcus Ware, former Cowboy, is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He um, he declared last week that he's going to play for another season. I only played 10 games last season and recorded only four sacks. Career lows for him, both of those numbers. And uh, But just to give you a little perspective on that, um, only two players, Tyrone Lawrence and Benson Maioa, had more sacks than were for the Cowboys. So uh, Demarcus, I believe DeMarcus Lawrence had... 14 games and he got four and a half sacks so it's um or tyron lawrence i should say had four and a half sacks in 14 games so demarcus work has still help the cowboys the question is you know if it's going to be a price issue him as a veteran or would demarcus work give them kind of a hometown discount because he's getting long in the tooth and he wants to retire a dallas cowboy potentially and you know maybe that could be how the Cowboys can perform. The Cowboys do need defensive end help. They do. They need pass rush help. I said they have defensive ends. They need pass rush help. And the bar is pretty low for the Cowboys. So I want and this is Demarcus Ware in an elite pass rush. He's top ten all the time in sacks. I looked it up. He's number eight all the time in sacks. He's right under under Jason Taylor, I believe, in sacks. And he's going to pass up Jason Taylor. So he is a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's going to be first ballot, second ballot, third ballot. But I guarantee you, retiring as a Dallas Cowboy, it helps your chances of being a Hall of Famer. It just does. It helps your chances. And I always say that if you want to get into the Hall of Fame, you know, he, he's got a Super Bowl ring, too, so that helps him. You almost have to keep, uh, you keep campaigning. You almost have to, you know, keep campaigning even after you do, you're done playing. And that's why you see Jason Taylor. You know he's on dancing. You know with the stars and doing analyst work. And um, you see that uh, Kurt Warner was the same way, right? Kurt Warner did the dancing with the stars, and you know he did. He's doing analyst work for NFL Network. You know those things help. I don't think Terrell Owens has been on. Dancing with the Stars. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think he he's been on Dancing with Stars. I got to go check that out. But I don't think he's been. My point is, he hasn't done the the apology tour uh, uh, that you know that maybe he needs to. Like a uh, guy like Terrell Owens, he hadn't done that. But for Demarcus Ware, you know, you retire a Cowboy. Cowboys are America's team. Jerry Jones. If anybody's going to promote you and advocate that you get into the Hall of Fame, it would be a guy like Jerry Jones. So I think that might be a it might be a win-win, depending on the price of DeMarcus Ware. Uh, you rent him for a year or two until you figure out your defensive end situation. You still need to draft the guy, but then you get some time to develop players. And the Cowboys have a lot of guys that are waiting to take that next step as a pass rusher or a defensive lineman. Uh, I don't know. The Demarcus Ware thing is very intriguing. He becomes a free agent in March, so we'll see if uh, the Cowboys try to make a make a move there, or at least if there's some interest by the Cowboys or interest by Demarcus Ware. I'm sure Demarcus Ware is interested. Okay, we come back. We will. Uh, I- I'll give you the Pecota Major League Baseball predictions. Or projections, I should say. And uh, it will put Astros fans in a good mood. We'll do that. We'll also jump back into the NBA, discuss some NBA news, notes, and nuggets. And also a story that I still cannot believe is a real story. Uh, but it is, it's a real thing. And uh, we'll get into that when we come back, too. This is your sports buffet. All right, welcome back to the sports buffet. I did some research, and I don't know how this it. I don't know how this is 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 it is it possible, but Terrell Owens has never been on Dancing with the Stars. How the hell has Terrell Owens not been on Dancing with the Stars? And how has his agent not told him, hey, man, most people think of you as an a-hole or a D-bag. You need to go in here and kind of reinvent yourself. Because people love to see people make fools out of themselves trying to dance. And they get to laugh at them. And it humanizes you. And therefore, it makes you more relatable. And that is one of those factors that shouldn't matter usually going into a hall of fame but it does we know that from you know charles haley you know that from you know major league baseball and their hall of fame uh you, obviously you know it from the pro football hall of fame and that's why i said guys like jason taylor and kurt warner you know they did a good job campaigning for that hall of fame you know, and and honestly dancing with the stars is a great place to campaign for the hall of fame if you're a football player how the hell he's got a terrell Owens has a bad agent Man, Master P has been on Dancing with the Stars, and Terrell Owens couldn't get on there. Terrell Owens used to date, touchdown dances. They've let like uh, five wide receivers on there. Calvin Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, Michael Irvin's been on there, Antonio Brown, Hines Ward, Donald Driver. Hell, man, all you got to do is make a Pro Bowl and Dancing with the Stars would call you. He couldn't get on Dancing with the Stars. That's how hated Terrell Owens is. Who else has been on Dancing with the Stars? Hell, and he couldn't get on there. It's amazing. It really is. As I said Master P has been on Dancing with the Stars, and yet Terrell Owens couldn't get on there for some reason. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think he's got to go. He's got to go on Dancing with the Stars. I don't think they would reject him now because now they'll let anybody on there. Hell, Lawrence Taylor was on there. Lawrence Taylor's already, you know, already considered oh, he'd be the greatest football player of all time. But Lawrence Taylor's got a shady past and was disliked by a lot of people. Lauren Saylor was an a-hole, and they let him on there. They let Hope Solo on there. You know what I mean? Hope Solo, you know, allegedly beat up her own damn nephew. She they let they let her on there. So they will let him on there. I mean, there is no question about it. Hell, it, didn't Ryan Lochte wasn't Ryan Lochte on Dancing with the Stars or something like that recently? And people hated his guts. Um, you know, so no, it wasn't Ryan Lochte. I think it was Vanilla Ice. I'm mixing up. Uh, yeah, Vanilla Ice was on there. If if Vanilla Ice can get on there. Then you know they'll let they'll let Terrell Owens on there. Rick Perry was on there. Rick Perry was on there. If Rick Perry can get on there, they'll they'll let Terrell Owens on there. So I think first step for Terrell Owens trying to get in Hall of Fame. Uh, and this is random. I think he needs to go on Dancing with the Stars. Boom. There you go. That's my first word of advice for him. Go on Dancing with the Stars. I think he'll be, Snooki. Snooki. All right. Snooki has been on Dancing with the Stars and Terrell Owens cannot get on there. Snooky, for God's sakes. They'll let on there. They'll let anybody on there. Come on. Get get Trellons on there so people will start liking them again. That's the whole point. Alright. Let's uh, get into a story real quick that I can't believe is true, but I'm assuming it is. I've seen it uh, at diff- uh, on different websites, and it may just be a stunt by 50 Cent. But 50 Cent and his uh, oldest son, they don't get along. Apparently, they've been estranged from one another, an estranged relationship from one another. So due to these difficulties between uh, Fitty and his, um, his son, you know, they've uh, you know they haven't talked, and 50 cent doesn't really know what his son does most of the time. He doesn't keep up with them like that because they don't talk. So his son is named Marquise, I believe. Marquise Jackson is his name. His mom is Shaniqua Tompkins, Um, and apparently Marquise is upset about the way his mom was treated by 50 Cent. I'm sure that goes back to something else. So once Marquise grew up and started realizing, uh, you know, who 50 Cent was and what was going on, he started to get really uh, upset about the situation, and um, he wrote. And made a diss track, a, a rap song, <laughs> dissing his dad. <laughs> he made a rap song dissing his own dad. Um, when he was asked about it, he he said, um, you know, he wasn't really around. Um it kind of our relationship dwindled down at the time and went on. He said, for me, I just started feeling differently about him because growing up, my dad was my superhero he was on television he does this he does that it was like having a father who's super mad more or less, but then, as I got older, you start realizing things you see uh you start seeing different patterns and it takes an effect on a relationship with other people that 's what happened with me and my father so there you go fifty cent he's got he first hey i he first he was getting on Jairo for being a wankster, and now his own son is making a diss track about him. Yeah. <laughs> that is a I can't believe that's a real story, but it is. All right, the Pocoda projections for you baseball fans out there. The full Pocoda projections uh are out. And the Houston Astros are picked to go 93 and 69. That's 5 wins less than the Dodgers who are pegged to get the highest win total at ninety-eight and sixty-four by the pagoda projections. So they have the Astros winning their division at ninety uh uh winning their division and the other projected division winners are the Cleveland Indians uh, the only AL Central team tab for more than 79 wins, actually. Uh, the Cubs, of course. Uh, the Red Sox, they have a 90 and 72, and they have the New York Mets. Uh, at 88 and 74 uh, the bottom end of that they have the Royals actually pegged at 71 and 91 but point is the Astros who I believe were on the Sports Illustrated cover two years ago and, and Sports Illustrated predicted that 2017 would be the year the Astros either reached the World Series or won the World Series I believe it was won the World Series this would be that year 2017 is the year that all that talent, I'm not saying they were tanking, but they were stockpiling talent in their form system, in the minor leagues, and this is when it's supposed to pay off. Carlos Carrera, Jose Altuve, all of that. I will say this, though, about the Houston sports teams. What they ha- haven't handled very well is expectations, at least lately. Right? Remember the Rockets um, had that run with Kevin McHale and, you know, they went deep into the playoffs with Kevin McHale, went to the Western Conference. Uh, uh, they went, yeah, they went deep into the playoffs, went, uh, and, I, and I believe the next season they fired Kevin McHale. Actually, the next season after they went deep into the playoffs, after they surprised everyone, because they started out terrible because they couldn't meet those expectations. Right. Um, And, you know, the Houston Texans with Brock Osweiler, all the draft picks on offense, you know, they they underachieve. They don't meet the expectations. And even last year with the Astros, right? Remember the Astros? They make the playoffs uh, two years ago. Everybody's talking about how great the Astros were and how, you know, they were one year ahead of schedule. And then last year, the expectations mounting for them and they can't meet them. They underwhelm. They underachieve. So I think it's something about the expectation. The only thing that worries me about this Astros team is that they're young. And they've been through it, but that they may not perform well uh, in terms of meeting these expectations. Because Houston teams, they, they have, they've had trouble with that lately. That will seem to be the case. All right. I want to thank uh, LaMaine Lawrence for doing a great job. I want to thank Chris Dool as well. I want to thank uh, Sam. I want to thank Mike. want to thank the Buffet Nation. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on your Sports Buffet. Everybody enjoy the evening. Be safe. Peace.